Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today we are headed to some of Oregon's most beautiful state parks. But Maybe not the ones you're thinking about. Yeah, Jim, you know, we're not talking about Silver Falls or Smith Rock, mm-hmm. because honestly, we've talked a lot about those places already. Uh, instead, we're headed to some of the most overlooked state parks in Oregon, places that, while perfectly beautiful, don't see the same kinds of crowds that fill the other more popular spots. Yeah. So, Jamie, I know you recently went through and and published the latest list of the state's least visited state parks. If you say that 10 times fast. And this (laughs) is something you do every year, right? Using data from the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department. Um, Of course, folks can go check that out on Oregon Live and we'll link to it in the show notes. But that's not what we're talking about on today's show, right? Yeah, Jim. So after I published uh, the story on the 20 least visited state parks uh, from mm-hmm. 2021, mm-hmm. I kind of went back and combed through the data to pull out just a few parks that I consider to be overlooked. So that's spots mm-hmm. that I find per- particularly beautiful or interesting that nevertheless just don't see the same kinds of numbers that other parks do. So all five of the parks we're going to be talking about today rank among the 50 least visited state parks in Oregon, and each saw fewer than 100,000 day-use visitors in 2021. For comparison, the most popular Oregon state parks saw upwards of 2 million visitors last year. So these are parks that are not seeing the same kind of crowds. That doesn't mean they're not necessarily going to be busy on nice weekends during the peak season. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, these are parks that not a lot of people are going through. Not a lot of people are going through, but probably more people should go through. I think, Jamie, that's part of the upshot of this show is, uh, you know, your Smith Rock, your Silver Falls. They're just going to be busy. They just are. Fort Stevens, you name it. The most arguably kind of grand, the gems of Oregon State Park system. They're busy and they're always going to be, right? But there are some really good gems, some of which we've probably mentioned here on the show before, but there are some good gems that you can get to that maybe they're a little bit out of the way. Maybe uh, they're a diamond in the rough, so to speak, but they're all overlooked Oregon State Parks. And we're going to jump right in, Jamie, with one of them that I actually just tried to go visit, but I had a little bit of a snag with some cabin booking here. (laughs) And that is Cottonwood Canyon State Park. Jamie, I know you love this place. It's one of my favorite spots. Absolute favorites. I go there uh, every year. Yep. Um, every spring. It's, I think, the only state park that I intentionally visit every single year. You go there, right, for the, for the turning of the seasons in the spring? Am I wrong? Am I? Yeah. Yes. Good, yeah, that's good. right. I usually, it's the start of spring. I love just the, the sagebrush. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's there. So this is a spot that's in, um, sort of the high desert of North Central Oregon. Um, so if you basically go to the gorge, you go to the Dalles and keep going to Biggs Junction, and then you head just south of Biggs Junction, yep. you're going to find this along the John Day River. Um, as it's kind of flowing toward the Columbia. Yeah. And so it's where you kind of get moved from those lush green landscapes of Western Oregon into that high desert step where you're seeing a lot of sagebrush and mm-hmm. juniper trees, um, a lot of dirt, a lot of empty expanses, uh, it, it, you know, some of those towering basalt rock pinnacles. It's yeah. just a, a sort of a rough and rugged and really magical kind of landscape. 
I like that, Jamie. It's it's kind of one of these places that if you were visiting Oregon from, let's say you're from, from, let's say you're from Georgia or North Carolina, you've never visited Oregon before, and you you have a picture in your head of what Oregon is, and you think maybe it's essentially one big forest park in Portland. <laughs> it's just lush, it's green, it's dense, winding trails. This is like the antithesis to that beautiful high desert landscape got the river running through you've got the smell jamie the the Mm -hmm. sagebrush smells so good it smells it's like the epitome of fresh right you just want to like bottle that up and take it home with you Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not one of the fortunate among us who have a home among the sagebrush reading through your story here reminds me of why i enjoy this area so much just kind of think like the early morning light the river gurgling past, walking on one of the trails right along the river. You've got, you know, golden eagles swooping overhead. I mean, maybe one. I don't know. You're going to get a colony of golden <laughs> eagles swooping overhead, but a boy can dream. You know, you've got beavers in the river. It's just a stunning place that I think deserves a closer look by by a lot of folks. Yeah. And Jim, the colors of this landscape yeah. are what really gets mm-hmm. me. The first time I went there, I, I, I got there and it was really cloudy and gray and everything was kind of muted. But then as I was hiking, the clouds suddenly parted and the sun came through and just mm-hmm. the whole landscape, it was like going from black and white to color in Wizard of Oz, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and butterflies started emerging from the landscape and fluttering all over and everything just was illuminated in these bright colors. Mm-hmm. And I've been there at sunset too, when you get the different colors of that landscape and it just, everything seems to change colors depending on the light, kind of like the painted hills uh, yeah. nearby. And that's just such a, a magical experience to be there for that. Yeah, that's very cool. And Jamie, one of the upshots about this place is it has a 40-site campground, in, in, including four cabins. So this is a spot where you want to catch that sunset. You want to catch that early morning light that I referenced. Go there and stay a while, right? Mm-hmm. This campground, it's new, Jamie, relatively new. It's very well developed. These cabins are very pretty. Uh, not. Mm-hmm you know, uh, particularly grandiose, let's say, but uh, very enjoyable accommodations. I was actually bummed out. Our, our friend actually here on the show, Dylan Pilaget, one of your good pals and mine as well, <laughs> he and I were looking for a Sunday-Monday excursion. And we actually happened just by happenstance to make that Sunday-Monday excursion over the President's Day weekend. Uh, and we were thinking, oh, maybe we'll grab a cabin out at uh, Cottonwood Canyon. And alas, Jamie, there were none available, uh, largely, I would at least assume partially because uh, Sunday, Monday is a holiday. A lot of people have off. Well, Jim, I got to say, I also tried to get a Sunday, Monday cabin reservation at Cottonwood Canyon. Uh, I, I was there six months in advance of that Ooh. Sunday online, ready to go. Wow. No dice because people had already booked it for the Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so, I see. It is. That's the problem. I think if you want to get the one of those four cabins at Cottonwood Canyon um, weekdays, I've had success doing it on weekdays and booking as far in advance as you can because, you know, those cabins are stellar. They're, yeah. again, rustic, but they're modern. And it's a really, really nice spot to stay. Super cool place to be with gorgeous scenery all around. It sounds like we could gush for uh, a whole episode <laughs> here just about Cottonwood Canyon, Jamie. But we have more on the list, uh, though I, I will say I think it's probably going to be hard to top Cottonwood Canyon yeah. as an overlooked destination. It has my 
highest endorsement here. Uh, but Jamie, let's bump over to uh, kind of a, a similarly interesting attraction of sorts, which is Fort Rock uh, out on the edge of the Christmas Valley uh, in the high desert in central Oregon. This is a place I've actually not visited, and it kind of has a little bit of Smith Rock vibes going on. Yeah, geologically speaking, I, I think you've got kind of a similar big rock structure in the yeah. desert. This is located a bit farther south from Smith Rock. So basically, if you go to Bend and you head south past Sun River and sort of along US 97 there, and then you bump east along Oregon 31 towards Christmas Valley. It's a remote area, again, that not a lot of people go check out, but you're going to find a turn off to Fort Rock State Natural Area right there off the highway. And it is um, a really fascinating I think, uh, rock <laughs> attraction. <laughs> one big fascinating rock. Uh, <laughs> kind of one of those things, Jamie, I guess overlooked part of the reason is, of course, that this is a little bit out of the way for a lot of folks, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's not necessarily on your way to bend for many of us, uh, you know, traveling from the Willamette Valley. Uh, it, it's, you know, a lot of folks probably stop by it at Smith Rock simply because it's, it's on their way between here and there, there and here. But uh, do you think Fort Rock is something that you would plan a trip around or make sure you stop at while traveling through? Yeah, I think the latter. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, uh, definitely like a, a quick stop kind of destination. You can mm -hmm. spend a lot of time there. Um, but it's, I think it, there's a couple of reasons I love Fort Rock. I think it's, it's definitely worth the place to stop. So when you're talking just about sort of the geological structure, this is what's known as a tough ring, T-U-F-F -F mm -hmm. ring, which is a type of volcanic um event you know occurrence um where the magma you know interacts with the water in such a way that splatters it and creates this sort of ring structure it's all very scientific and i don't mm -hmm. totally understand it but that's my know. understanding you did, a, you did a good job with that right there i think oh thanks <laughs> um so it's 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 a very kind of it's kind of this ring of rock that is just mm -hmm. really interesting to see and it's also a place where there's um, a lot of cultural significance. So a cave near Fort Rock, not in Fort Rock itself, mm -hmm. but nearby, was a place where um, archaeologists discovered some old sagebrush sandals oh. that date back thousands of years. <laughs> uh, it is wow. one of the earliest signs of inhabitants in North America. Oh, really? So, wow. Yeah. So this is, they determined the sandals are between 9,200 and 10,500 years old. That evidence has helped researchers date when humans were living on this continent, um, officially speaking. Fort Rock Cave is a place that they open up to tours sometimes. If you're able to get a peek inside that cave, it's a kind of an official tour situation. You can't just go on your own. Definitely a cool experience, but if not, just stopping by Fort Rock and seeing the actual rock formation out there in the landscape is really cool and definitely worth a stop if you're in the area. Yeah, it it kind of reminds me of a grander version, Jamie, of Horse Thief Butte out in the gorge mm, a little yeah. bit. Like, this is just an interesting place to go walk around, to spend some time kind of winding your way through the rocks, marveling at the landscape, enjoying, again, another high desert destination. Pretty cool. And and I will say, if I'm ever in the area, I definitely want to stop and check it out. I don't think necessarily that without one of these tours, I'm going to be like, I'm making a beeline for Fort Rock specifically. Mm -hmm. But if you're ever nearby, man, it seems like a, a no-brainer kind of destination. The third on our list also kind of fits that category to a degree. It's kind of a place that is easy to overlook, thus the ethos of this podcast episode, among the just embarrassment of riches in the Columbia River Gorge, Jamie, and that is Viento State Park. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Viento is is there just kind of um, to the west of Hood River, uh, a little state park site. There's not a lot of, you know, space in the state park. Yeah. You have a day use area that's next to sort of the small rocky beach um, at a really beautiful point in the river. Mm-hmm. Um, just a gorgeous spot, but not a lot of space to sort of roam around or hike around. Um, there's a small campground there as well. Yeah. But the park also has access to the historic Columbia River Highway State Trail, yep. which is the paved bike and walking path that eventually will run um, the length of, of the gorge. Um, for right now, folks can stop there at Viento and bike to the west towards Starvation Creek to find a bunch of uh, little waterfall viewpoints and some really gorgeous views over the Columbia River. Um, so Viento is kind of like a more of a stop off place, like you're saying, Jim, a uh, mm-hmm. place to sort of get a good view um, or to, you know, uh, use the jumping off point to have a, a, another trip somewhere else nearby. Definitely so. And and Jamie, I'll, I'll say one thing, too. A lot of the views in the Columbia River Gorge are from a perch, right? You're up mm-hmm. on a trail. You're up at a viewpoint. You are above the river, right? Think Vista House, something like that. Crown Point, you name it. Angel's Rest. This is a spot where you can get right down to the river's edge, right? You can get kind of that wide, expansive view from dipping your toes, your chacos, your crocs, whatever you may, (laughs) into the Columbia River. And I think that's actually maybe not unique. Obviously, you can do that from a bunch of different places in the gorge, but it's not what I usually do when I'm out there. I, I'm usually up above the water. So that's one thing that makes Viento perhaps a little bit of a stopping off point. And then secondarily is uh, the seasonal campground, right? Uh, you're able to to stay a while. If you can book a site anywhere really in the gorge, you're probably not going to go wrong. Maybe uh, I'd eat my words there with something that's just clearly a bad option. But the point is that your access is primo, whether you're going to hop on the, you know, historic Columbia River Highway State Trail, whether you're going to go do different hiking in the area, lots of good options and, and staying right in the thick of it puts you right there for whatever you want to do. I will say if you're going to camp in the gorge, bring earplugs because mm. the trains roll through and it can be difficult to sleep. Um, Jim, a, a fun fact I just learned about Viento here uh, is that I've always assumed the state park was named for the Spanish word Viento, which means mm-hmm. wind, which is very appropriate for the Columbia mm-hmm. River Gorge. But as, as it turns out, it comes to the names of three railroad tycoons who built the first railroad in the area, huh. Villard, Indicott, and Tolman. Take the first two letters of each of their names and you get Viento. Huh. Um, but you know what, Jim, I, I like it as the Spanish word for wind a lot better. <laughs> so I personally am going to ignore that historical fact mm. and just continue to pre- pretend that that's what it's named for. I like it. Well, Jamie, we're going to take a quick break and return to a couple other overlooked Oregon State Parks here in a second. All right, folks, we are back talking about a collection of some of Oregon's more overlooked state parks. And Jamie, we've had some good ones here so far, Viento, Fort Rock, Cottonwood Canyon. We've got two other really good ones before we call it quits for the day. The first of which, Humbug Mountain, Jamie, a definite overlooked gem of the Oregon State Park system. Yeah, Jim, this is a spot that's really, really easy to miss on the southern Oregon coast. So folks, if you've ever been to Prehistoric Gardens, the uh, dinosaur-themed roadside attraction on the Oregon coast, 
Um, this is just right next door. Um, and I think mm-hmm. I love prehistoric gardens, my favorite spots. Um, but it does, I think, pull away a lot of attention from Humbug Mountain, which is a really nice state park site just right there. Um, against the ocean. You've got some photos in this story here of the overlooked state parks of like, you've got, it looks like one person and their dog just like gallivanting <laughs> on the beach at sunset on the Southern Oregon coast. And it's like the perfect time of day where the sun is reflecting off of just like the light mm, sheen yeah. of water that's washed over the beach. You've got some waves out in the distance, a sea stack kind of farther away, the gorgeous, you know, light kind of dappling off of the uh, light sheen of water there and the dog in person silhouetted uh, against the landscape. And it's just like, man, take a picture of the Oregon coast, like at its best. And this mm-hmm. basically sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. Take me there to that spot immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing about Humbug Mountains. You have this beach access point, which is gorgeous. It's a smaller beach. It's not going to mm-hmm. be like Beverly Beach. You're not going to have big, huge mm-hmm. crowds of people. Um, but Humbug Mountain also is a big headland and there's a trail that takes you up to the top of it. So what you can do is either or or do both is go to the beach, have a good time or um, stop off the trailhead and take the it's about a five and a half mile round trip. Uh, loop hike that takes you up to the top of Humbug Mountain and back. And they recently, they used to not be a view from the top, but they, mm. they recently did a big cutting of trees, um, to allow for a better view from the top. So now you get this really, really stunning view looking south down the coast, kind of like Neocani Mountain on the north coast. It's mm-hmm. one of these absolutely stunning overlooks of the Oregon coast that you, you it's, it's just so hard to top. And I love the Humbug Mountain has that big view plus the beach, plus yeah. it has a campground, yep. um, which is fairly sizable. It's about 95 tent and RV sites um, kind of strung out along the park. So there's some that are a bit quieter, kind of set back towards the trees. Uh, I stayed at one gym that was right next to the path to the beach. Um, so we're a lot of your tent and walk, you know, a couple hundred yards and all of a sudden you're at the ocean. That's hard to top right there. Um, that, that's just an absolutely primo experience. And for folks who try to go camping at the more popular spots, you mm-hmm. can't find one just instead of trying to book a spot at Harris beach or Beverly beach, you know, book a place at humbug mountain. It's quiet. You know, it's right there next to the highway. Um, but it, it's a lot quieter than a lot of other parks and, you know, having the option to do that hike, you can walk to the hike from the campground, walk to the yep. beach from the campground. I love it as an overnight destination on the South coast. I mean, it sounds like basically everything that you could want and more with the fact that your hiking is right there. Your beach access mm-hmm. is right there. Your campground right there, too. Uh, you're in the thick of it, like I said, with Viento. And uh, that's a, a darn good place to be. Our last one on the list, we, we, we have not saved it for last on purpose. It is uh, <laughs> as, as equally grand as any of the other places. But, Jamie, can be maybe a little bit of a confusing one in the sense this is Golden and Silver Falls State Park, right? So this is <laughs> n- not the Silver Falls you're thinking of, not the very famous or at least famous by relative standards. This is out in southwest Oregon, buried deep in the coastal mountains. You wrote, Jamie, that those who brave the 27 miles of twisting back roads will discover the two beautiful waterfalls for which the park is named. I couldn't put it better than that myself, so I figured I'd just read your work. (laughs) Really, though, kind of a spectacular place. You just got to work a little bit hard to get there. Yeah. So this is, if you go to basically to Coos Bay on Mm -hmm. the south coast and you 
drive about 45 minutes into the mountains from Coos Bay down these real like twisty turny uh, remote back roads. Eventually you'll get to this little state park site, Golden Silver Falls, um, where you can take a trail to the base of Silver Falls. Um, again, they got to get, they got to get more creative with the names of the waterfalls. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. <laughs> come on, people. <laughs> um, and uh, you can take a trail also to the base or to the top of Golden Falls. And these are not just like little tiny waterfalls, right? These are like legitimate plunges that if you saw them in the Silver Falls State Park, you would say, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's a nice waterfall. I think it's definitely worth going to check out, especially if you're a waterfall person um, and you have not been there before. You know, take the time, go down to Coos Bay, stay the night, um, and spend some time going out there and really enjoying those trails that go to the waterfalls. It's they're not super difficult trails. Um, the waterfalls, like I said, are are well worth the the effort to get out there. If you're someone who gets car sick easily, eh, you know, maybe not might your spot. Be, you know, there's a little bit you know, of a push. A little bit of a push. Um, you know, I the the a friend who was with me when I went and did this um definitely had some trouble with all those twists and turns. Mm-hmm. If you look at it on the on the Google Maps, you can just see it's like a scribble through those mountains with all of the turns. So um, you know, it, it, it can definitely be a lot for some people, but um if you're okay with that kind of driving, definitely go out there and give it a look. This is I think one of the most overlooked state park sites. In fact, it is in the bottom 20. It made that list. So definitely go check it out. Um, it, it's definitely worth the effort. A full value adventure, if you will, including the twisty turny back roads to get there. Uh, I like that a lot, Jamie. And I have to correct myself as well. Uh, I said it is state park. I believe it is state recreation area. No, I even have to correct my correction. The Golden and Silver Falls State Natural Area, um, which, of course, is a state park site by a different name. But uh, we are journalists, after all, in the business of uh, correct information. So, Jamie, uh, with that correction underfoot in my rear view, whatever you want to say, I suppose it's time to wrap up the show and just say – Go check out the Overlook State Parks uh, and boost those travel numbers, spread out the crowds, and uh, go see something off the beaten path. But until next time here on the Peak Northwest Podcast, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show is produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Andrew Thien. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.